The information provided on this podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general informational purposes only. Welcome to Rights Here, Rights Now, the podcast about disability advocacy and activism. I'm your advocate host, Virginia Ferris. And I'm your advocate host, Ren Fazuski. Every two weeks, we dig into relevant issues, current events, and avenues for advocacy. Because someone has to. And it might as well be us. This podcast is produced by the Disability Law Center of Virginia, the Commonwealth's protection and advocacy agency for disability rights. Find out more at dlcv.org. So, Ren, today we are going to be talking about one of my favorite topics. This isn't something that I get to do a lot of work on personally, but we're going to be talking about effective communication. And I love effective communication. I love communicating <laughs> effectively. It's, it's your whole brand. But we are going to talk to our fabulous colleague, Ms. Rachel Loria, um, about just all of the different technologies um, and ways that you can communicate with people with disabilities, be they people with hearing impairments, vision impairments. Yeah, it's a pretty broad um, topic. Yeah, so while we won't be able to dig into this 100% today and make sure you stay tuned for future podcasts, I think this is going to be a good primer. Well, I'm really excited, but before we jump in, let's check out Disability in the News. Speech pathologist Christina Hunger says she is teaching her dog Stella how to communicate with the same method she uses to teach children to speak and learn words. Stella knows 29 different words on her communication board, which is a similar device used for children who have difficulties with verbal communication. When asked her technique, Ms. Hunter stated it takes lots of time, lots of practice, and lots of repetition. Find out more at CNN.com. All right, guys, it's time to jump into our main topic. We're going to be talking about effective communication with our esteemed colleague, Ms. Rachel Loria. Hi, guys. It's great to be here. (laughs) Thank you for being with us. We really appreciate you taking the time and talking to us about something I don't know anything about. And I know relatively little about. Rachel, what is effective communication? So effective communication is basically the ability of people with disabilities to communicate their message clearly, be understood, and also have other people understand them. Okay. That sounds necessary. Yeah. That sounds important. Kind of (laughs) important. Yeah. Kind of important. Is there, is, I mean, that sounds like a pretty informal definition. Right. Are there any, like, formal definitions we should be aware of? Having that? So the ADA requires, under Title II um, of the Americans with Disabilities Act, it requires that state and government offices need to be able to provide the tools for people to communicate effectively. Also in nonprofits and other businesses, tools need to be available for people to be able to have a reasonable accommodation and communicate effectively. So this isn't just a best practices it is good to do this it's a uh, this and, is americans and not, with disabilities and you gotta <laughs> no this is a, you gotta well it's okay so it sounds like you know people with disabilities who have 
communication issues and need to have effective communication. If they go to any sort of like government office, let's say like social security, or if they just want to go to some sort of business, like if they need like accounting services, it's, you know, it's not sort of this guessing game of, it shouldn't be this guessing game of, will I be able to communicate with people there? It should be something that they can go and just know they'll be able to One thing that. that. One thing that we do recommend is if you are going and can call ahead, if especially mm-hmm. if you need an interpreter, call ahead just to yeah. make sure that the business or the office knows that you're on your way on a specific date and that you need an interpreter. That just helps to make it easier not only for you but also for the business that you're going to. But they, they would need to provide it. They would need to provide it and they would also need to pay for it. Okay. So it occurs to me, you know, we're, we're talking about if you need an interpreter, that there's probably a lot of different disabilities that require different kinds of, of effective communication. Can you go a little bit into um, who it is that would need effective communication and how that's provided? Absolutely. Different disabilities need different kinds of, different people with disabilities need different kinds of communication devices. Um, So every person's unique. Every person has different communication needs. Sometimes a person may need, may not be able to verbally express what they need, but they may be able to write it down. That's one way of effective communication Mm -hmm. is having somebody be able to read what that person wrote. Another way would be uh, people who need communication devices that actually speak for them. If they hit a picture on something like an iPad, it would, on yeah. like the GoTalk app on the iPad, it would okay. say, my name is, and he would hit his picture and it would say his name. You've shown these to me before and they are so cool. They are very cool. <laughs> very cool. They are very cool. It's amazing what technology can do. Um, so other times... Sometimes there's symbol cards called picture exchange communication Mm -hmm. um, symbols. And those can sometimes be used if a person cannot verbally express what they need. If they can pull off a picture of what they need and go and give it to the person who's Mm -hmm. with them to express what they need, that can sometimes be effective communication. Um, There's other types of effective communication. such as people who have a hearing impairment. Mm-hmm. Sometimes would need a cochlear implant or a hearing aid. Another time, other times they may need, they may need something like an, uh, an FM system in their ear to help them hear what the other person is saying. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a really good point, I think, is this idea of like commun- effective communication. I think that like hearing aids are kind of ubiquitous to the point that some people mm-hmm. don't even realize yeah. that that's Absolutely. a communication device. Um, something you kind of touched on earlier is this idea of bringing the picture card to, to the to the person mm-hmm. who they're trying to communicate with. Mm-hmm. Are there other are there other people that uh, someone with disabilities would need to communicate with, not just like a shopkeeper? Or something like that. Um, you make to, this sound so 17th century. The shopkeep, the, shop <laughs> shop the, the barkeep. Um, um, but like, who who are you know? Obviously, we've speak, spoken with specifically the ADA, but effective communication can be used with all sorts of people. Absolutely, effective communication can be used with everybody because we all know that people with disabilities are going to go out in the community like everybody else, ideally. Yes. And they need the tools to effectively communicate, hence effective communication. 
with everybody else. You make it sound so simple yeah. when you lay it out like that. I, th I think an important thing also to remember when you were talking about um, the different kinds of uh, communication devices, that communication is really a two-way street and it Absolutely. is as, it's as much about being able to receive communication as it is to make your own words known. I've done a lot of this in the school system and one of the huge parts there with my two individuals who need the FM receptors is the social communication with their peers. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. not just hearing what the teacher is saying it's also communicating with their peers and and being able to express their thoughts yeah. to their peers. So that's a huge part of effective communication is that it's not just a one-way dialogue. It's got to be two parties. Yeah. Right. Um, so you, we've kind of brushed over there, you know, for every disability, there can be a different type of communication Absolutely. Uh, device. Um, so sometimes, or... or, or different kinds of communication sometimes you need an interpreter right and that's something that you can request in advance now, um, now when you're talking about interpreter are we always talking about an american sign language interpreter not always um sometimes people who have uh come to the united states have learned sign language in a different language so mm -hmm. that's um always good to understand and can sometimes be difficult when looking for an interpreter, mm -hmm. but there's other types of other types of language interpreters as well. Right. Um, what kind of types of effective communication are there? Again, we've kind of brushed over some interpreters. We've brushed over, written, over some cards. Right. Um, um, the higher technology pieces, the more complex technology would be something like the sip and puff or the iPad. What is a sip and puff? Basically, the way that you breathe into the machine can, or use eye gaze, can show, can take you to different words or different options so that okay. the person can communicate. It's so cool. That is, it is so very cool. cool. It's so cool. So that's like... Um, I can so um, if someone let's say were uh, paralyzed and were mm -hmm. only able to move their eyes, eyes that would, would be an eye gaze. Yeah, yeah so there, there would, would be an eye gaze mm -hmm. communication device. I have a young woman who is six that we've worked on with that um, getting an eye gaze communication device at the school system. Okay, awesome. And there's all sorts of neat devices. We've mm -hmm. rushed over the lots of different devices, <laughs> like an so iPad, many devices and things like that. Which are just super nifty. Yes. And when we do the assistive technology podcast, we'll show some examples of those Ooh, as well. Stay tuned to future podcasts so we can talk about other things that are really neat. Okay. So it, there's so much different technology out there. And, you know, again, you know, there's so many different ways people need to have effective communication. How can people go about getting it? So getting it can sometimes be kind of tricky. Um, but it's kind of different categories. If a person is employed and they are working and they need effective communication, mm -hmm. one way that they can get it would be through um, a vocational rehab agency like the Department for Aging and Rehab Services. If that assistive technology is related to their work goal, then sometimes they can help to fund for these devices. Mm -hmm. Also, if they're on any kind of waiver in the community, uh, there's an assistive tech waiver that can sometimes help to provide 
money for these devices. Yeah, I feel like I don't hear a lot of people calling in about the AT waiver, but it's it's really a good it's option for some people. Wonderful, because one thing that I always tell, I primarily work with the younger kids in the school system who need the communication devices, but when the child graduates high school, the school keeps those devices. Mm. So I did not know that. Yes. So it's important, especially as you are working on that transition out of high school, if your ch- you or your child need devices, to start talking with the Department for Aging and Rehab Services or the Department for Blind and Visually Impaired mm-hmm. or the Department for Deaf and Hard of Hearing. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I would imagine for, for some of these folks, these disabilities just don't poof when they turn 18. like magic and that they would i don't know still need need to effectively communicate through adulthood i don't know know. um so there's if you are working or if you are in the workplace there's um we talked about a little bit about the funding sources what you would most likely need to do is request a reasonable accommodation Mm -hmm. and that is typically typically done through human resources Uh, different offices request different ways so check with your where where you are employed to see if that's where you should go but typically we recommend that people go to human resources um, and ask ask to speak with HR about a reasonable accommodation yeah when I say reasonable accommodation, the employer is usually the one to choose whether it is reasonable or not. And that's the thing. Is that, that can be the tricky part. Yes. Right. And and that's always a great thing if you have questions about that to give us a call yeah. and ask about it. Yeah. And it's important to understand that it's you're not just going to see the effective communication in employment but you'll also see it in the school system and the school system has a completely different way of requesting effective communication or assistive technology so that is usually an IEP team Mm -hmm. an individualized education plan programs team decision um, which the parent is part of Um, so you would ask the IEP team or the 504 team for an assistive technology evaluation Okay. Once they have agreed to do that, they have a time frame of about 65 business days to do the evaluation and meet back with the team to discuss the results. Yeah. If you disagree with those, if the parent disagrees with those results, there are some recourses available and that would be a really good time to give us a call talk with us about the situation if in doubt if in doubt if in doubt give us a call i think it's also that kind of with that kind of time frame i think it shows that when people you know being aware Mm -hmm. of the what resources are available to you because getting it earlier is always better absolutely getting it earlier there have been i've worked with a lot of families where if they had had the communication devices earlier they could have avoided a lot of issues and a lot of struggle. Right. Um, so we kind of brushed over this at the very beginning. I was going to talk about, we, we talked about businesses. Mm-hmm. Like trying to, you know, go into a business and effectively communicate. You, you mentioned that right. if you need something specific like an ASL interpreter or something mm-hmm. of that nature, giving a call ahead. 
I've got another uh, past client who's blind, and DSS would be sending her letters to discuss um, important things about Medicaid. And she would get, she ended up being cut off Medicaid because she oh couldn't read the letters that they were sending <sighs> no. her. Oh, no. So it's important to also realize that you can also write a communication plan and, like, yeah. encourage your caseworker or the people who are on your team to help to write this effective communication plan so that these mistakes and these yeah. crises are a little bit more avoidable. Well, right. and, and you bring up a good point with Medicaid. I don't think that we've really gotten into, like, governmental services and right. effective communication, um, which is, you know, right. as, as you said social security is another Social security is another big one. I have a client um, who was deaf who went into the social security office and was able to negotiate to handwrite notes to a person who was working at the office mm-hmm. to help her communicate effectively. Right. Because, yeah, I mean, obviously it's critical if you you need services like Medicaid or developmental mm-hmm. disability waiver Absolutely. or anything like that to be able to effectively communicate your needs. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, as we're recording this, we're just a couple weeks past the... Um, I hope this wasn't a midterm election. It was it was just an election. An election. Uh, so right, it, it, and that's that's ha- also yeah. really important at the voting polls to be able to know that there is specific equipment for mm-hmm. people who are. I think there's a specific equipment for people who are blind and people who are vision impaired mm-hmm. and people who are deaf and hard of hearing. I'm seeing nods. So I, <laughs> um, and it's important that you know that you can ask for that if you mm-hmm. need to. Or if you are at in the car and feel like you cannot go into the polling place, you have the option to ask for, for a ballot curbside, mm-hmm. which is called curbside voting. Yeah. Um, and there should be signs. There should be... There should be signs. There, there should, should be. be signs. Should be would be the key word here. <laughs> there There's, are not always signs. There are sometimes people out there to help, um, but you have a right to vote, and you have a right to vote curbside. You do not have to vote absentee, which is often the the case with people with disabilities feel like they have to vote absentee, Mm -hmm. and that's not the case. I know that this is really a complex issue, and you've, you've already kind of brushed over this. It sounds like who decides what services are necessary is kind of a muddle. It, it sometimes is. With the employer, it's in an employment situation, it's usually the employer that decides what's necessary, but you can always back up the request with doctor's notes or um, other people who have worked with you professionally, mm-hmm. writing letters expressing, this is what I need, or you advocating for yourself, saying that this is what you need, but we always suggest also including documentation because yeah. it can be very complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, in the school system, it is a team decision, okay. um, including which ideally should also include the parent. Right. So yeah, it, it does sound like even though you know these these decisions can be difficult, one of the things that can be really useful is you know, is advocating for yourself, is understanding what communication style works best for you, Mm -hmm. um, you know, able to get sort of the 
the paperwork needed, unfortunately, a lot of this does require some sort of paperwork mm-hmm. to, to lots really, of paperwork. Lots of paperwork. <laughs> lots of um, to to when you make these requests to really to really back up your claims and to mm-hmm. really make a strong case for yourself. Give you some evi- give some evidence of your disability and what kinds of accommodations you need. Because often if it's something and we said this earlier, but if it's something that the employer has to pay for, they're going to be less likely to do it. Yeah. So it's important to also identify other funding sources like the Department for Aging and Rehab Services or the Department for Blind and Visually Impaired. Um, that can sometimes assist okay. with getting devices. That was actually going to be kind of my next question is mm-hmm. like, how do you ask for this? Like, what are the resources available? Um, because it sounds like, particularly I think mm-hmm. um, for people who are either, you know, not very connected to the system mm-hmm. or like parents of children who just don't know what's available, it can be pretty confusing. Well, if you need to get connected, if you, are looking towards employment or you are employed and you feel like you need more support you can always give us a call and we can try to connect you with your local um, vocational rehabilitation service provider those are providers within the community that can help that have a goal of employment or keeping a person employed Mm. employment is good and like you said, with 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 uh, schools, with the school system, we always encourage if parents have issues, if they have been denied by the school system, give us a call. Yeah. Um, oftentimes, in both of these situations, people are not aware of the services that are available. Yeah, there is a regional training and technical assistance center in every different area of Virginia, or many different areas of Virginia. Wow that have assistive technology available for loan that a person can borrow and try it out. Um, They can also sometimes provide training on assistive technology to the school system. Um, And they are, they work through Virginia Department of Education. So they can sometimes help train schools on how to use specific technology. That's super cool. (laughs) That is very cool. And often people are not aware that those kinds of services are available. Right. I think that's a that's something that we we see a lot as advocates and, mm-hmm. and working with folks is this is just not knowing what's yeah. available. Yeah, and it's hard to ask for something if you don't know it's there. Absolutely, so, absolutely. So, do you have any just final tips, tricks, reminders for people who are requesting assistive technology, be that from their school, their employer, a business, a government? There's so many people. There are so many people. Um, have a couple of tips like we had already talked about ask in writing that way you can document your request uh, provide as much documentation as you can mm-hmm. about why you need the specific uh, effective communication follow-up don't be afraid to follow up give them I my my trend is about 10 days to look over the request but always know that you can follow up if you're not hearing back from Mm -hmm. the person you need to hear back from. Uh, Provide examples of things that have worked in the past. If there are things that have worked in the past, provide those examples. Also, if you are connected to other funding sources, give them that information too, Mm -hmm. because that can sometimes be helpful. 
Um, if you need an interpreter or any kinds of those services, we always recommend calling ahead, usually at least 10 days. I know that can sometimes be difficult, but if you can, call ahead because that's the best way to ensure that they're going to be able to meet your needs. Um, I've got a couple resources too. Do we yeah, want to share this? Absolutely, out? plug them. We will so, also put the links um, and I'll send you on our website. Yeah. So askjan.org, which is http askjan a s k j a n dot org, can give you some examples of accommodations in the workplace that may be helpful, yeah. including effective communication. Um, TTAC, TTAC online, T T A C online.org is good for the school system and also sometimes for work but mostly for school um, to give you some ideas of what technology is available and mm -hmm. also give you some ideas on who can train for assistive technology. Uh, VADARS.org, uh, Department for Aging and Rehabilitative Services is a vocational provider. Uh, DBVI is another one. Um, and then there's us. There's us. There's us. <laughs> um, which we've plugged quite a bit, but we you can always plug it again. Obviously, we um, we have uh, take calls from the public Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. You can submit a request online at www.dlcv.org. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, if you're having issues with any sort of effective communication, one thing that I just thought of. Um, is that I've uh, had to deal with similar issues in uh, state psychiatric facilities mm -hmm. where uh, a person required some sort of communication device and was not being provided one. Yep. And when you receive medical treatment or psychiatric treatment... You, you are absolutely um, entitled to communication. Um, it's kind of hard to go to a medical appointment and not be able to communicate. It's a little hard. It's a little yeah. difficult. And we will uh, we will be getting into effective communication in medical settings in a later episode. Later so episode. Dun, dun, so please dun. stay tuned for that. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much, Rachel. Thank Thanks you. for having me. I really appreciate it. And it's, it's a cool topic to talk about, so I really appreciate we you guys. We might even be talking to you later about other topics. We may be talking oh, maybe <laughs> about assistive technology. Maybe. Maybe. Um, so, again, thank you so much. and um, Thank you, guys. Yeah. We have concluded. Adjourned. And now for some DLCV highlights. Matthew is a young student with Down syndrome and a hearing impairment. After surviving Hurricane Harvey, his family... Uh, moved to Virginia from Texas with hopes of a normal life. When he started school in Virginia, the school couldn't seem to get the right effective communication for him. His mom called DLCV and was able to get help regarding some basic things in his IEP. We were also able to advocate to get a frequency modulation and FM system so that Matthew could hear in the classroom. Uh, DLCV successfully advocated for the FM system, and everybody noticed a huge improvement in his communication at school once he had the FM system. And those are the DLCV highlights. Tune in next time to hear more about what DLCV is doing on behalf of people with disabilities. 
Thank you again to Ms. Rachel Loria for coming out here and talking to us and telling us a little bit more about effective communication. And thank you for listening to this episode of Rights Here, Rights Now, brought to you by the Disability Law Center of Virginia. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. If you need assistance or want more information about DLCV and what we do, visit us online at dlcv.org. And follow us on Twitter at DisabilityLawVA and share us with your friends. Until next time, I'm Ren Fazuski. And I'm Virginia Ferris. And this has been Rights, Rights Here, Rights, Rights Now. Now.